Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me. Devin Zanskis and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm coming at your show solo, but we have the Bucks number 24 pick Marshawn Beauchamp to cover. Uh, Marshawn uh, was drafted out of the G League Ignite program. He was the, mm, I don't remember last year's second round well, but I can confidently say fourth, first round pick to come out of the G League Ignite. Uh, following last year's top 10 picks, uh, Jalen Green and uh, NBA champion Jonathan Kuminga of the Golden State Warriors. Um, No surprise, uh, Dyson Daniels was selected in the top 10 this year, Marjan's teammate, and then we had Marjan at 24, and... Uh, Jaden Hardy, who, whom we had covered in the last episode, was drafted number 37 um, to the Mavs uh, after a trade with between them and the Kings. Uh, so he slid a little bit, but that could be said for a lot of people. Uh, everyone's draft boards look different. There are a lot of changes. By that, I mean trades that happen. Uh, and just the draft turns out differently than some might predict, so that that changes teams' priorities as squads base their decisions more off fit as they get later into the draft. Uh, but... I know Adam Spinella, whom I I relayed a lot of his takes, honestly, in the last episode when sharing notes on Jaden Hardy. He named him as someone who uh, might be one of the most slept on guys in the draft. And makes sense based on how much fun I had evaluating him before. But to get back to uh, Marjan, he's, uh, at the time we had drafted him, he was uh, firmly in my top two of guys that I wanted that were available. And uh, I know I, I was really afraid, My me and my brother Drew, who I watched it with, we were really afraid that the Bucks were going to go in the complete opposite direction of a team that uh, needed playoff depth and maybe go on either end of the spectrum of uh, of a small guard who could defend nobody and play and you know not be able to make it on a court or a or a big groundbound big man who would also just get uh, blown by um, against more versatile playoff talent but yeah Marjan 
yeah, he certainly has the physical attributes to be uh, a top-tier wing defender. And based on all the video breakdown I saw uh, from others on him, they seem to think that that's um, also his most translatable skill at the moment. The swing skill will be the shooting. Uh, So that's a common critique um, for the Bucks after this draft pick, especially projecting a guy next to Giannis. But many also pointed out we're drafting in the middle of the 20s. We're not going to find a perfect guy at this point. And also perhaps the fact that he we aren't drafting him to be you know, to uh, vault over Chris or Drew in terms of our pecking order. Uh, it's more important that those guys have have a particular offensive skill set next to Giannis, and you can add Brooke Lopez to that equation. Uh, yeah, Marjan could be really valuable in just in just. Uh, the sense of being a glue guy right away. And uh, he can he can continue to be part of the timeline moving forward because people always worry about what the team's going to look like next to Giannis as the rest of the roster isn't getting younger. But it, I, I don't care too much about that. Uh, I kept on saying to Drew during the draft that... Uh, that it would take uh, pretty much unequivocally bad trade from uh, from John Horse for me not to be satisfied with trading out of this pick because, uh, yeah, you have to be pretty much... Uh, you usually have to be at least a top 10 guy in a draft, in like a you know, in a year's NBA, NBA redraft per se to firm, to be, be good in the playoffs right away. So, um, but we got it. We got one of the best guys available, maybe the best guy available at the time. So if we're keeping the pick, it seems like we, seems like we, yeah, did really well with it. Plus, intangibles-wise, it seems like we hit the ball out of the park. Um, Marjan, along with one other guy, um, drafted in the top five. Um, they were the two who it seemed just, at least in terms of like wearing their hearts on their sleeves, you could see the most uh, in their emotion that that this moment really meant something to them. I mean, it's this could easily be the the best the best day in all 58 of these guys' lives to date and maybe some guys just aren't as emotional as Marjan or the other top 5 pick I'm alluding to. Uh, but you can understand why, especially with Marjan cuz um, 
he had experienced homelessness. I know when I did my draft eval on him, I knew that he had considered stepping away from basketball and had to rediscover his love for it. Um, though I didn't know at the time why exactly that was. And I'm thankful that I wasn't, that I wasn't, uh, super ignorant about that fact. I know there are certain analysts who would, who would be really short with it and say, oh, he, does that, does that mean, well, yeah, at one point he wasn't necessarily in love with the game. He had other priorities. Maybe we should just be out on him, but yeah, there are a myriad of other possibilities and circumstances in lives that could make you question if if playing a game is really where you should be focusing your energy. And yeah, the guy unfortunately was was out on the street at one point. So that's a circumstance where I could see basketball not being your number one priority. Uh See, also Marjan had, you know, besides those unfortunate circumstances in life, he uh, played at four different high schools um, during his high school basketball career. I believe it was three in the state of Washington where he's from, and then he played his senior year in Arizona before in 2021. Uh Let me think. Would it have been 2021? Either way, in uh, time frame between being drafted and high school, he had spent a year training for the draft. Uh, and that also um, corresponded with the uh, with the height of the pandemic, and I think his training may have may also have commenced at one point in San Francisco, which obviously was uh, one of the hotbeds for the pandemic, or at least in terms of having the most restrictions. So, yeah, uh, perhaps he could have even struggled finding uh, finding gyms at that point. Uh, yeah, I hope I'm not getting the San Francisco part of it confused with another prospect, but, uh, we know for sure that he didn't, he didn't take the traditional college route because, um, not only going to the G League Ignite, which I actually give more credit to guys for doing because they play against, uh, closer to NBA talent sooner and I, and that to me is more translatable than, you know, playing playing against a bunch of guys who could be peaking at 22, and also on a smaller court. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I think I pretty much covered it all there uh, between high school, uh, training rig rigorously before the draft, finding his way to Yakima Community College and the G League. So, um, 
Oh, Marjan also had some quotes um, comparing his his game to all defensive caliber guys, uh, such as Herb Jones, which will have NBA Twitter and particularly Bucks Twitter already sold uh, on the idea of this guy. Uh, in a particular quote, he first compared himself to Herb Jones and then also added that he watched a lot of uh, McCall Bridges, who I think was number two in Defensive Player of the Year voting this year. Uh, Herb Jones definitely received some all some all all defensive votes as well, just as a rookie. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if if he would have mentioned Matisse Thibel at all. I'm not positive, but given his given his defensive acumen and the fact that I think Matisse played at the University of Washington, that would make that would make too much sense. Uh, yeah. Also, being a Washington State guy, I know Isaiah Thomas tweeted out some praises for for uh for our guy Marjan, which you love to see. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, an all character or all NBA character guy. I don't know how you want to say it, but every everyone loves Isaiah Thomas for uh. The heights that he got to and then of course uh you know can sympathize with him and the fact that he's he's had injuries that limited limited his career but he's still fighting to fighting his way onto nba rosters to this day so hopefully another washington state guy can continue to make himself make a name for himself in the league So, yeah, I, for some reason, excluded some shooting splits on here, but we know shooting is the biggest swing skill for Marjan, uh, but we trust his defense to stay on the court uh, in the playoffs, or we at least know that that's not what's going to keep him off the court. And uh, Also, I mentioned Sam Vecini on, on a recent episode where he talked about the difference between, uh, you know, looking looking at the heat, the, the difference between evaluating guys like P.J. Tucker and Duncan Robinson, uh, respectively, at their times coming into the league, where a guy like P.J. he had a very, um, you know, high level defensive baseline that's that's given him an incredibly long NBA career. And an NBA championship, and now he's he's a uh, he's in a place at age thirty-seven to decline a player option and seek even more money. Um, you know, whereas Duncan Robinson, although he's he's an elite shooter and he earned himself a five-year, ninety million dollar contract, uh, He has a glaring weakness on defense, and despite his size, Sam Sam Vecini said that, contrary to P.J. Tucker, he's not sure if he believes uh, Duncan will ever become a positive defender, and that may 
lead to him still having less minutes in the playoffs. And uh, after the Celtics series as well, um, and I know we'll be getting Chris back, so I was going to say more of this to myself if we did end up choosing, uh, you know, the opposite prototype of uh, Marjan, but yeah, I could have been over-indexing on that Celtics series without Chris Middleton, and uh, no, I might have been over overly focused on just wings in this draft, but it's the most valuable position for a reason, so... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, and seems like a win-win. At this point, I wouldn't I wouldn't predict us to trade Marjan now, because he fits what we what we need as a team. But if we do decide to trade him for more immediate help, he should have a he should have fair value, all things considered, for being being a draft pick that's already taken. Now, I still have other new bucks to evaluate. There are three other guys that are on the roster for now in some capacity, but I'm still recording as of June 26th. So free agency hasn't even started yet. This team is far from finished. Uh, mention in the day here. Want to toss out a happy birthday uh, to my roommate Dom. I'm really excited for him. He should be returning sometime today, but he he got to go to uh, New York. He and his girlfriend Jenny and celebrate their birthday. Uh, I know they were excited to catch a show uh, from uh, John Mulaney, their uh, SNL junkies, for sure. They ironically bought the tickets just before finding out that Mulaney would be coming to Milwaukee soon, but uh, heck, never, never a bad reason to head to the Big Apple and... As I now know from going there, uh, what was it, no more than two months ago, possibly less, and I saw that he got to see uh, our brother Christian there, who lives there, uh, who I visited, so, yeah. Happy happy birthday, brother, and I'm sure I will, uh, I'll see him uh, later this evening, and I'm guessing... Uh, unless he's there, for, he's there for an extra day, which uh, would be all the more exciting. Uh, yeah, I'll jump back into the basketball, but <laughs> perhaps I'll touch on some other non-basketball topics later. Uh good time to be alive right now in a Wisconsin summer when it's uh when it's sunny 70 degrees outside outside my window looking out Lake Michigan there uh 
someone who hopefully gets to come over to the States, will stay in the States after the NBA draft and enjoy uh, a suburb of Milwaukee, is uh, the 58 pick in this draft, the last pick after uh, the Bucks and Heat second round picks were forfeited due to tampering. Uh, maybe we can relitigate that later, but um, first we'll discuss Hugo Besson, whom uh, we acquired from the Pacers for cash considerations, the final pick in the draft. Uh, Milwaukee loved uh, the optics of this one acquiring the last pick in a draft where we uh, were forced to forfeit the pick uh you know i believe for valid reasoning uh, as we did commit uh you know maybe the most blatant example of tampering that that i can think of regardless of and not involving the biggest name in Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, but although he's the last pick in the draft, Bassan seems uh, fairly interesting. Uh, he's 6'5 and three quarters. Sounds like me putting my height on a dating profile there. 180 pounds, uh, 21 years old. Uh, he had 13 point M. 13.9 points, 3.9 rebounds, 2.5 assists in 27.4 minutes per game with the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, and Hugo uh, earned Best Young Player. That's that's an award. He earned the Best Young Player Award. It was also named to the All-Star 5 in the France in France's second division this must have been the year prior uh when he was playing in uh the second division of France I think he may have played there for a number of years as well uh 21 years old so not not the youngest but not the oldest <laughs> either I'll say in Europe I believe guys are able to play at a much younger age, uh, i.e. Luka Doncic. Uh, but uh, Besson did play uh, next to uh, top 15 uh, pick in this draft, uh, Usman uh, Jang, who's uh, probably the biggest upside swing in this draft. Uh Jay Billis uh, described him as fearless attacking the rim, um, an underrated passer, and a microwave uh, scorer. I saw a mini breakdown from Adam Spinella as well on YouTube that uh, echoed those attributes, but you saw him uh, pulling up out of a pick and roll, uh, you know finding guys in the pick and pick and roll and narrow passing lanes. And, uh, yeah, seems to really be able to, uh, light it up off the bounce as an isolation scorer. So really exciting skill set. Uh, though at the last pick of the draft, it's hard to project, um, 
what this will look like for the Bucks. As at this point, who knows if who knows how much this has to do with with the true evaluation of the player or if it has more to deal with uh, cutting deals with agents. It might, uh, you know, the the idea there might be a little skewed based on us taking Georges Kalitsakis, who was uh, an equally exciting player last year, but I believe he was also uh, a client of Giannis's agent, uh, which likely would have already come out about uh, Hugo, but fans definitely wondered that as we uh, bought the last pick in the draft and uh, Bisson being being a European as well. Uh, so I guess that's my counterpoint to the whole who knows who knows if this means anything for us. Uh, because I mean, we did take Sandro last year, who also was uh, somewhat of a mystery man. Although he's remained on the on the roster since uh, those guys at the end of the roster, of course, are now uh, even more in flux. As uh, you know, it could be we're I mean we're we're like four months away from from even preseason, I would roughly guess. So the team could look uh, extremely different. But um, I did, though, as I was going through Twitter, trying to recap this, uh, Jonathan Gavoni posted a list of guys after the first round whom he thought was the best available, and Basson was one of the guys that he had listed. So for him to go at the end of the round, I think at the end of the uh, second round, the very end, I think that's a positive sign for the Bucks. Uh, yeah, I think that's plenty on Bassam, but there will be uh, more to learn about him if necessary. Uh, though more surprising after the draft was... Uh, fact that there were two other announcements for uh, additions uh, to the Bucks roster for now. Uh, Bucks signed Mississippi State's Iverson Molinar uh, of Panama, uh, a name that I had wondered if it was familiar. Maybe I had heard it uh, once or twice before on the Game Theory podcast, right here about most college guys for the first time, but. Uh, top to your top to your name <laughs> for sure. So, uh, could be some confirmation bias there. Though, so, uh, Molinar was really productive at Mississippi State. He's a he's six three hundred ninety pounds, and a junior. Uh, in his junior season, he averaged seventeen and a half points, three point one rebounds, three point six assists, and thirty four point one minutes. Uh, he, his three point percentages were interesting. I was trying to paint a picture for it and, uh, yeah, I didn't see it in the stats nor, uh, in any write-ups that I saw on Molinar. He shot only, 
25.2% from the three-point line this season, but he made 86.8% of his shots from the free throw line. Even more puzzling is the fact that he shot 43.6% from three uh, in his junior year. And no, the the amount of attempts were uh, pretty close to the same. This wasn't just an example of him uh, taking barely any the season prior and him jacking up his uh, his attempts this season. Uh, he shot 34.6% over his career, which is, if you look at it over, you know, between the 25.2 this year, 43. Uh, the year prior, and then somewhere in between his first year, uh, you get a pretty average number. <laughs> uh, he did... Um, yeah, it looked like uh, Molinar only had one game where he hit three threes this year, but he had two games last season where uh, where he shot five of seven from three. Uh, but heck, the guy still put up. 17 and a half points, which uh, is nothing to scoff at at all. Yeah, he was pretty close the year uh, prior with 16.7. Freshman year, he only averaged uh, 5.9 points per game, but uh, he started um, all but one, all but one game that he was available for the past two seasons, uh, as opposed to only starting eight of the 30, 31 games that he played as a freshman. Um, let me check. I'm checking to see, yeah, it was this year where uh, Molinar uh, dropped 30 against uh, Kentucky. And... He had, including that contest against Kentucky, he had 10 games of 20 points or more. Uh, and then last year, uh, he had eight points of such a scoring output. Uh, eight games of 20 points or more, that's what I meant to say. Though he never got to that 30-point mark Last season, last season he had a 25-point high in one of his two five-for-seven games from behind the arc. Uh, yeah, so for him to drop 30 against Kentucky is pretty cool because, um, yeah, for <laughs> that's, a, that's about as uh, talented as you can get, of course, and in the Southeastern Conference. Pretty sure that's what SEC stands for. Uh, I question everything when going off the dome. Uh, on this show, um, however, yeah, in addition to Kentucky just being Kentucky, uh, I believe he went, that means he went against Oscar to Oscar Tshibwe, who was uh, 
uh, the SEC Player of the Year uh, last season. And, yeah, Molinar was all S- he made the All-SEC first team uh, based off the coaches' vote this season, uh, but then made second team uh, per the media vote. And he made... Uh, now, I believe that put him um, ahead of names such as uh, Ty Ty Washington and Kennedy Chandler uh, in both of those rankings. Yeah, at best, maybe one of them shared uh, shared uh, one of those teams with him, but. Yeah, of course, those were guys who were eventually selected in the 30s, though I though people, though many had them uh, projected in the late first round as well. Um, lastly, I just want to point out the fact that when I first saw the uh, the Twitter for, the Twitter notification, I had assumed this would be a two way contract, but when I looked back at it, it just says that we signed him. Uh, it didn't detail what kind of contract, so I'm assuming it's not a two-way contract then. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we'll see how he factors into the Bucks' plan. Sounds like it might be more, more than we'd anticipated for, but... Uh, yeah, could could be a good thing, uh, considering um, how well Molinar played at Mich- at Mississippi State. Uh, now we did the <laughs> the fourth uh, player we had added uh, on Thursday was a two way contract, and that was uh, Northern Iowa's AJ Green. Uh, not to be confused, I believe there might be an NFL an NFL wide receiver named AJ Green, although I'm a casual. Uh, AJ Green, 6'5", with a 6'7 wingspan, 198 pounds, 22 years old. Uh, He uh, played four years at Northern Iowa. Uh, Not um, as high of competition compared to Molinar there. But the numbers speak for themselves. 18.8 points, 3.7 rebounds, 2.5 assists in 36.5 minutes per game. Holy cow, these kids really don't seem to get much rest in in college uh, uh, from from what I can tell. Uh, Looks like it's just a bunch of Tom Thibodeaus down there, but... He shot 38.7% from three, and based off of multiple websites, he he shot either 90% from the free throw line, or I also saw 91.5% from the free throw line. Uh, doesn't matter the difference there once you get to those heights. Uh, he also, he put up, 
points, three rebounds, and three three assists. Uh, as a sophomore, um, pardon me, I think I wrote that down wrong. I think those might be his junior year stats because uh, I believe it was uh, he had even better stats as a sophomore except that is because he only had a three game sample size oh excuse me um no those were his sophomore stats sorry for delaying so he had even better stats as a sophomore um, when he did have a full season uh, sample size of 19.7 points, three rebounds, three assists. But his junior year, he suffered a season-ending hip injury that only allowed him to play three games, where he did average 22.5 in those three games. Uh, so that explains why he... Uh, So that's why his college career maybe was uh, more extended than than you'd think. But yeah, I wonder if things would have been different had he gone out after that impressive that impressive sophomore year season. And uh, even as a rookie, he or rookie freshman tomato tomato, he averaged uh, fifteen points, uh, three rebounds, and two and a half assists. <laughs> oh no I was looking at uh, field goal uh, percentage I, th I thought he had just insane three point shooting percentages uh, but he shot 37.8% from three over his over his four seasons which is which is stellar uh, yeah no lower than three point 38.8% in a senior season. His prior two years all were above that, which is elite. So then again, we should also note that, uh, I mean, it could be the fact that he did play uh, in the Missouri Valley Conference as opposed to, to, to the SCC. So those numbers... Uh, unfortunately, don't get as much credit. Um, you know, you know, uh, they're a little bit more diminished as opposed to uh, face value when you don't play um, against, uh, you know, blue bloods every single every single day, but can only play the guys ahead of him and he did that at, a, at an incredible level uh which uh, is how he earned the 2022 missouri valley conference larry bird player of the year award and he also uh broke a northern iowa uh record of sinking 48 consecutive free throws this year which is also the fourth most in conference history uh, so all of that said seems like a pretty uh, 
pretty solid bet to take with the two-way slot. I am not complaining uh, whatsoever. But we're tempering expectations with any two-way with any two-way selection. Um, at this point, though, I'm going to move on to cover the rest of the draft beyond Marjan, and that's I'm not going to go through. Uh, the, the remaining, what would it be? Math. 33 picks? I don't know, somewhere around there. I'm not going to go over over 30 picks of guys that some of, some of you may not even know. You might not even know the majority of them, and I, I probably don't know all of them if I were to bring uh, the screen back up here. Uh, so yeah, I just jotted down guys that I thought were somewhat interesting. Uh, and I'm going to go through the, the, the beginning of the draft with Drew. Um, however, other life update. Uh, now the guy actually just moved into his house yesterday, uh, helped carry some things for him, uh, so it's a wonderful place with a bright red door, uh, lots of great woodwork that I had, appre- had appreciated, uh, a beautiful yard too, and I was happy to see that it came with a basketball hoop too, so incredibly happy for him and his fiance, Natalie, for um, coming full-on homeowners, uh, crazy to even say out loud so drew's got plenty of stuff uh going on uh besides recording uh podcast but i was thrilled thrilled that even he even joined me for the draft here and i know he's excited to talk about the the first half of it as uh as another off-season junkie uh like myself i'm gonna keep stealing uh stealing that uh phrase from uh prior podcast that I'd listened to but their name is beyond uh beyond the lottery um and beyond guys chosen before Marjan and the the remaining first round after Marjan played out as follows uh with Blake Wesley Wendell Moore Nikola Jovich Patrick Baldwin Jr. out of UW Milwaukee my alma mater Ty Ty Washington and Peyton Watson. Blake Wesley is, I'll admit, he's, <coughs> excuse me, he, he might be the first round name that I know the least about. He and Peyton Watson. Uh, uh, I might know slightly less about uh the cumulative uh, draft picks this year compared to the season prior. Or maybe this, well, I don't know. I feel like once you dive in as deep as you do right right around the draft, you can talk yourself into saying, uh, saying any draft is an incredibly deep draft. But then you look back, and there are only so many really impactful guys every year. Uh, but yeah. Picks 25 and 30 were the ones I know the least about, although I think both of those guys are 
obviously first round caliber wings. So maybe it wouldn't have been the worst guys for the Bucks to pick. <laughs> Some guys I'm more familiar with, I'm familiar with because I was not thrilled with their uh, prospects in becoming a Milwaukee Buck. Uh, however, however, Wendell Moore, uh, guy out of Duke who has, uh, similar to Marjan, has great size at the wing position uh, and is an incredible passer. And... Why did I not put team names next to some of these guys? I'm going to go off the top of my head. I believe uh, Wendell Moore went to, I believe he went to the Timberwolves as part of a trade. I can pull it up quickly. Uh, Blake Wesley went to the Spurs. He was their uh he was their third first round pick. And I know once you get up to three first round picks, you hear time and time again, analysts saying, well, they're not going to keep that pick. They're going to trade that pick. They're going to stash that pick. But uh, all three of the Spurs picks seem to be guys that, um, that will be playing next season. Um, whether, whether, uh, they're traded from their current team or not. Uh, yeah, I can confirm Wendell Moore was traded to to the Timberwolves um, after uh, being the pick that was traded in the Christian Wood trade uh, from the Rockets to then the Mavericks, and now Wendell will play with uh, with uh, movie star from the movie Hustle that I just watched this weekend, uh, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. The Heat drafted uh, Nikola Jovic, who, in a, I mean, with any pick that the Heat would have selected, uh, you know, I get I get a little queasy because I, I stop and think, well, I just know that they're going to get the best out of him uh of course no team bats 100 percent like uh they just had a guy semi-recently and first name mistakes uh escapes me rather um but oh kz okpala kz that's the first name uh he was a very uh heat kind of player uh but he is no longer on the roster, if memory serves me right. Uh, though Jovic doesn't quite seem like the typical Heat prospect, uh, but he has everything you'd want on offense. Uh, just leaves a bit to be desired on defense. Um he has the height and length, presumably, to be a good defender, but um, maybe could add a bit more LBs. Uh, and to go back to the analogy that I've stolen multiple times, uh, you know, regarding 
preferring to draft uh, someone who has, um, you know, a defensive acumen as um, from day one and can maybe develop uh, a sufficient uh, three-point jump shot later on um, compared to drafting someone who is all offense and just may never have the chops to be a sufficient defender. Uh, some people just think uh, adding adding uh, enough of a jump shot is more likely than completely turning around someone's uh, someone's ability on defense. He'd have a pretty good track record of developing uh, young guys, so I'm not counting him out. Uh, Grizzlies got uh, another another skilled guard who fell in this draft uh, in Ty Ty Washington. I know Drew was really high on him. I wasn't so sure. On Ty Ty, I think he is. I think he is bigger for a combo guard. In fairness, he might be. Um, he might be six four, which kind of had me thinking. Although they weren't, they weren't quite able to to defend uh, uh, Jason Tatum in switches. Uh, that is that. That is at least the size of someone like Grayson or George Hill, who are, who were at least able to get on the floor with Bud, as opposed to Javon Carter, who has all the defensive talent to be out there, but at the end of the day, maybe just doesn't have enough size to uh, face up against, you know, playoff teams that you know can afford to play only eight guys and. And yeah, hopefully if you build your roster accordingly, you'll you'll be able to play guys who are bigger than that. Uh, but I know people had Ty Ty also potentially uh, around the end of the lottery or at least earlier earlier twenties, uh, somewhere in the teens. So yeah. I could have seen him go- going 10 spots higher. Uh, although I now see, actually, that uh, Grizzlies made this selection on behalf of the Rockets, who uh, drafted two other guys earlier on, actually. So, um, to me, it's okay for them to pick, um, you know, someone who... Uh, you know, whose best position might be the same as Jalen Green's, uh, but yeah, you need to select guys who you think just are the best player available sometimes and will have enough talent to uh, 
play in your rotation, regardless if you think they'll eventually be starting starting above other guys or not. Uh, I mentioned how Pey- Peyton Watson, who was uh, traded actually to the Nuggets uh, in that deal with the Thunder, uh, one of the first uh, one of the first trades from from this month. Uh, I didn't know a ton about him, but I believe he was a uh, highly rated uh, recruit in uh, recent high school rankings. And uh, Sam Vecini did say that Peyton Watson just did not have uh, as much opportunity as other uh, highly recruited guys, uh, you know, playing next to. Johnny Juzang. Uh, there's another guy at UCLA. Jaime Jaquez. Uh, just to name, just to name a couple, because I don't watch a ton of college basketball. But those were two, uh, two uh, high caliber college players uh, who definitely took away shots from Peyton Watson. Uh, but uh, evidently he's more appealing to uh, NBA teams than those other guys, uh, you know, due to his potential and maybe being more translatable as an NBA wing, which uh, might be even more valuable, of course, to the Denver Nuggets, Nuggets, excuse me, who look to build around Nikola Jokic, excuse me, who will be, soon paid the supermax and there's been a lot of speculation as to how much they'll want to go into the luxury tax but they already have three max guys so uh yeah unfortunately not all teams want to go uh as deep into their pockets as the golden state warriors do but when you do go, when you do go, uh, I don't know, when you provide the rest of your front office uh, the ability to do their job to the to the nth degree, then that's how you win four titles in eight years. Uh, yeah. Seems that simple. Carrying on into the second round now for people who I thought were interesting. Uh, at number 33, the Raptors selected a very Raptors guy uh, and Christian Cloco, who I mentioned because I think he is uh, sort of that rare center with um, potential to... Uh, be a rim protector and shoot. Uh, he's not actually the youngest guy, perhaps, but he did. Uh, he did learn basketball later in life, so maybe there's more untapped potential um, than you'd expect from a guy his age. But he already shows. Uh, a really attractive skill set 
and a rare one at that. So, looks like the Raptors might have uh, Christian Boucher 2.0 uh, in this one, which uh, I don't blame him. It's really appealing to have a guy like that. And uh, just because the Raptors have him now, uh, I know teams look at the Raptors and think, you can't possibly have 17 of these guys, can you? Uh, yeah, they're... It seems like they're, uh, they're monitored more than, more than many other teams. <laughs> just because, in, in theory, uh, they have a surplus of guys of a certain certain skill set that everybody wants but maybe they'll just keep them wouldn't put it past Masai Ujiri uh, to you know again be a certain certain kind of pioneer with his uh, roster construction uh, I already discussed Jaden Hardy being the third G League Ignite uh, player selected, a teammate of Marjan's. Uh, he was traded to the Mavericks from uh, Sacramento, and in the uh, you know. In my average ranking between the four mock drafts, which determined uh, the five guys that I wanted to give my opinions on uh, before the June uh, 23rd draft, uh, Jaden Hardy was uh, the one who's... Average draft slot was the Bucks pick at 24. And he went all the way to 37. But hopefully he proves a lot of people wrong. <laughs> As discussed, I had a lot of fun watching him. And maybe he can become who the Mavericks hoped Tyrell Terry was when they picked him. Uh, but... Apparently he didn't have that long of a leash on a team like the Mavericks who are have now leaned even more into uh, building around Luka for the present. And I don't blame him. And I admire it. Uh, so we hope the Bucks continue to do that around Giannis as well. Uh, right after him, similar player type, presumably, though I... Wasn't interested in him as much once I heard that he was around. He's only around six feet. Number 38, the Spurs selected Kennedy Chandler, but then moved that to the Grizzlies. <laughs> oh, I got I to gotta really double take on some of these. Uh, but, yeah, there's a string of guys here. Uh, well... Yeah, first potentially first round talent, but questions about his size at the NBA level uh, gives gives teams some pause. Uh, but 
yeah. Still, um, I mean, credit to them. There, there are only so many guys every year who are good enough to, to even hear their name called. So, in honor, nonetheless. Excuse me. At number forty, the Hornets traded for this pick originally taken from the Timberwolves, uh, and they acquired Bryce McGowan's. I believe out of Nebraska and another first round uh, talent potentially that just slid a little bit. Uh, I think he is. <coughs> I think he has. He has a impressive scoring ability, and I think he he also was uh, potentially a bit a bit bigger than the two guys we had talked about prior maybe more of a wing uh than a guard which makes him more intriguing but then again they slid to 40 so maybe not quite maybe not quite in the range uh in the bucks range of course but uh yeah, Hornets have a lot of guys on the wings, and uh, yeah, they'll continue to be a team that's watched uh, to see if they're if they're ready to take the next step uh, until they do finally take that next step. Uh, they had some really interesting coaching news, of course, but might not quite have the time to get to it. As I'm gonna wrap up here. Um, well, in terms of draft talk with, uh, the number 41 selection, the Pelicans ended up with the other guy in my top two for the Bucks number 24 slot. Um, quite significant that, um, that EJ Liddell of Ohio state went 41 to the Pelicans would have talked myself into being better regardless of the team, but of course he's playing next to Zion now, who is of a similar mold to Giannis Antetokounmpo in uh, having extremely undeniable size, and that makes him a unicorn, but... You know, unfortunately not being able to be built out of a, out of a basketball science lab as a robot, even though you wonder that when you when you see how incredible um, and uh, unique these guys are. Uh, lacks a bit of a jump shot, Zion does. So you want to put guys next to them like an EJ Liddell. Now, he doesn't have a perfect jump shot either. Maybe that's why he ended up in the 40s, in addition to him being an older guy out of college. But EJ can defend multiple positions, uh, even up to the five slot, despite being 6'7", because he was one of the best defenders in college basketball last year. Um and he put up plenty of points um, 
could be a good uh could be a good spot up shooter doesn't project to be um someone to score off the dribble but yeah you can't ask everything of everything from a guy and you're definitely not doing so here uh but for a team that rightfully so believes they can take an up even another step next year after surprising everyone and making it uh, making it to making it out of the play-in tournament and into the full-on playoffs even without Zion Williamson uh, they're going to be a real threat in the uh, very deep Western Conference especially now <laughs> that they're bringing back Zion and uh, that means you're even more inclined to take a good hard look at a guy like EJ. So I believe the Pelicans got a good one, but I'm, I'm still happy that we got Marjan as more. I want to talk myself into Marjan. I think, okay, stereotype, like just in general, we'll say, um, Buck competing for a championship makes you, even even more so than it would for the Pelicans in their place. You want to pick a guy that you're the most sure can play next year in the playoffs if you're going to keep this guy on your roster. Which as of now, we have no reason we have to work on that assumption until someone until someone is traded. Uh, Typically, the more the more NBA the more NBA ready guys are just naturally the guys that are older have more experience. Um, yeah, but we sometimes mock how teams don't pick these guys like EJ until the forties because oh because they're old. Um, so maybe they don't have as much potential. We mock that, but I don't know. Maybe the maybe the negative trope can go the other way too. Who's to say that Marjan can't can't defend in the playoffs as soon as next season just because he's younger? And then again, Marjan isn't isn't super young either. After after. Uh, you know, all the all the obstacles that he had to go through to get this get to this point. And I can't stress enough how actually um, heartwarming it is to see how meaningful this is for Marjan and how he's unafraid to share his emotion on national television in front of everyone. Uh, You know, um, of course, the opposite. We don't want to. We don't want to mock a guy for displaying emotion on TV. Um, it's not, and I'm not saying it's not to knock anybody who didn't cry on, on draft night. I'm sure it means it means the world to all of them, regardless of of uh, of the emotions they put on display, but. I think I think it's wonderful to see, uh, in a young man. 
I mean, it at least shows that they care. Even though it doesn't mean that anyone who didn't cry doesn't care. But, uh, yeah. Um, I know we're, we're already beyond an hour, but I also just have to note that bearing the lead, <laughs> perhaps the biggest news um, in regards to the Bucks' chances uh, to win another NBA championship, Pat Connaughton has opted in to his $5.7 million playing option for next season. Uh, unpredictably so, because we think he could have gotten more than that uh, on the open market. Uh, he's improved tremendously from, um, you know, I think it's valuable to look back to somewhat darker days in terms of Pat's tenure with the Bucks when he was he was looked at similarly to how we look at how we looked how we saw Grayson Allen and his inability to defend to defend uh you know elite wings in the playoffs uh, you know cuz offensive stars are wisely going to find ways to ways to get a mismatch uh in the half court and uh then go to work but pat's improved a lot to be and he's become now one of the few guys that we really trusted in that celtic series i believe he played um he was top three in minutes in one of the celtics games and i remember looking at the box score after whichever of the five no excuse me seven games we forced against the celtics what am i saying uh i remember the game when pat played was top three in minutes and we were still wondering like why didn't he play more but he played the numbers show it <laughs> even if memory doesn't serves uh but yeah crazy we went from being pissed that bud played him 20 to pissed bud didn't play him 40 or more so thanks again to pat uh, i know they're similar to bobby even though we don't have we aren't limited with uh certain exceptions with pat like we were with bobby um there's already speculation as to if there's some sort of under the table handshake because Pat Connaughton is now extension eligible uh this offseason according to ESPN um and with uh him being part of the Bucks for so long without changing teams and free agency essentially what uh differentiates uh limitations with uh with uh you know free agent exceptions if you will uh is changing teams in free agency then then your then your bird rights restart when you change teams in free agency but pat's been here for well he's been here for all of as long as bud has so 
I don't think I think we could technically give him um, a maximum extension, though. We obviously wouldn't. I'm just saying we don't have to we don't have to spend too much time looking at the CBA FAQ to determine what we'd pay pay Pat and just simply sit down and consider what his honest uh, market value is right now. Uh, I know Grayson's extension will play into that um, on both sides in terms of, you know, just how Pat and the team compares uh, compares him to, you know, other guys already on the roster and uh, around his position. But this is far from the last move that the Bucks will make uh, this offseason as July 1st, the start of free agency is this Friday. So there will be lots to cover then. And until then, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.